Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On this week's episode, we bring you Season 3, Episode 3, titled Fragged. The events which took place aboard Colonial One are unfortunate. Laura Roslin's actions in supporting mutiny and sedition among the military could not be tolerated. Therefore, Commander Adama was left with no choice other than to remove her from office. Miss Roslin is now resting comfortably aboard this ship where she will remain until such time as the commander deems otherwise. As it appears obvious that the government cannot function under the current circumstances, I have decided to dissolve the Quorum of Twelve. And as of this moment, I have declared martial law. All right, Mr. Anderson, it's time to talk about some Fragged, the third episode of the second season. I'm excited to dive into this one. I think we are going to have a blast because I know that you were particularly high on Valley of Darkness, which uh, I can definitely understand. Uh, But coming right out of the gate, Mr. Anderson, tell me, Matt, how did you think about old Fragged? How did you you like it? Damn. Damn is my my initial reaction. Uh, This was a fucking excellent episode so good right oh yeah it's fantastic um and and i am i've always liked him but i don't think i've ever liked him as much as you and boy am i riding the chief tyrell train hard (laughs) this time i fucking (laughs) love me some tyrell he's so good in this so and jesus was i not i swear to god if i had to if i had had to put a bet on it and be like all right, you're gonna start guessing character deaths. You're gonna be you're gonna be an evil, heartless Johnny Butters and just put money on fucking who's gonna die. I would Did have you said spell Johnny Butters evil and heartless. Of course he Our is. Wonderful producer. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you go look up at his name on the on the the LSG about team. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny, you brought it on yourself. No, but if I if I was gonna do that, if I was gonna sit there and put bets on like who's gonna last how long. Uh, I mean, Tyrrell is somebody who I'm like, I can imagine him lasting the entire series. Maybe he dies towards the very end, some big climactic thing. I would have thought Crashdown into, well into season three, maybe into season four. And then maybe he starts getting, a, he's a riskier character because he's a little more of a side character, but he's still a firmly established character. And holy shit, just gone. Go Bam, on. like this. At the hands of who? The hands of our fucking boy Gaius, <laughs> <laughs> the anointed warrior of the Love Cylon him. demon god. Yes. What yes. in the fuck? <laughs> what in the fuck? So good. Oh, good so stuff. good. Awesome. It's, I can't. I yeah. I cannot wait to get into this, and I can't wait to speculate on the the wiles and whims of Ellen Ty back in the mm. house. Jesus. Good to see her. It's been a, been uh, a minute, as the kids it's been say. A minute. Dude, I was just as crazy as Rosalind in that scene. I was like, I don't. Who are you? And then right. I was like, oh, yeah. And you're not Ooh, even on, like, crazy, wacky, experimental cancer drugs. Not today. Not today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. Would, so, okay. So, what would you think about some of the Colonel Ty stuff? Excellent. Excellent. Right? We get to I, see him fold a little, right? I was about to say, we're, this, the, we are seeing, like, his fault lines kind of opening up. Like, he is truly 
I, he's a he's a perfect example of somebody who warns you what their flaws are. Like he doesn't hide it. He doesn't pretend. He's the guy who's going. I can't be the leader. Not the guy. I'm here to be. I'm a good support man. I'm a good fucking wingman. I will I will command the soldiers into battle. I can't be the statesman. Like he would he would never pretend that he's that guy. And now he has to be that guy. And we're seeing him, you know, come to you know fault over his own flaws that he he knew of and, and warned everybody else about but uh there's no no other choice around it there you go baby oh that's good shit it's funny because you know i have always been just a fan of his now part of the problem although part of the excitement it's sort of a double-edged sword is that as you know listener i've seen all of these and matt has not and he has not spoiled himself mm-hmm. so sometimes when i say i'm a fan of this person it doesn't occur to me that at this point in the series, it might be hard for Matthew to wrap his head around that. <laughs> so he's like, I, don't, I just don't see it. And I'm like, not yet you don't. So I do have to be careful with some of those opinions. That's why I try to, to base a lot of my thoughts on where we are thus far in the series, uh, so to avoid any spoilers. But one of the things I like about this episode, now you know I've always been a fan of, of Ty. I've always been a fan of, oh, yeah. of Gaius. And I think that... We're seeing Ty in a light that the rest of the crew has always suspected or has known he's been in because they've witnessed it, and we never really have. Right. We've only seen people kind of be dicks to him. Like when Tyrrell and Ty argued about the people, he had to blow out to stop Mm -hmm. the fire and that sacrifice and that decision that Ty had to make and how Commander Adama backed him on that decision. You know, you could say, oh, what a ruthless fuck. But at the same time, you're like, maybe he saved the whole ship. It's possible, right? It's possible right. they lost the whole Galactica, the whole the whole ship, had he not made that tough decision. And it's and, and, and outside of the misgivings with his wife, who brings out the worst in him, according oh, to Commander Adama, we've never really seen what he can become. And we've always suspected, they've always hinted at it, but it's now we get to see him sort of feeling the pressure, going back to the bottle, uh, making yeah. very hard and rash decisions that just... He is hes so much more emotional than Adama. I think Adama, sure, sure. as a leader, like he, one of his best characteristics, and we've only ever seen him falter from this uh, once or twice. Starbuck, with Starbuck. Right, exactly. But like as a, a public-facing leader, he is good about just keeping a lid on his own shit. Like he can just right. get past his own... He could probably, I, I, I bet you Adama's the kind of guy who can make a decision comfortably that he doesn't agree with personally and just be like, sure. it's what needs to be done, and that's right. that. And I'm not going to sit here and bitch and moan and, and whine about it. Whereas um, Ty is so much more emotional. He does things vindictively. He does things off the cuff. He, you know, he's just, he's just a more rash person. Uh, and like right. I was saying, to his credit, though, he he understands that about himself. He's not the kind of guy who's... He's not the young guy version who's blinded by his own and thinks he's just fucking great. Like, he knows his own shortcomings, but here he is having to take up this position regardless. Absolutely. It's a good point. The, the, the most comfortable person in science fiction history with decisions that they have to make that they don't personally love is probably Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> he's, like right. the, he's like the epitome of, of the principled decision maker. Totally. The elder statesman always caught. Hmm. So yeah, that was a nice. It was a nice dynamic to see this. Uh, the, the the moments of 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 the sheer panic on Ty's face when he's watching Cottle work, just just a lot of good stuff like that this week. And, and I'm looking forward to diving right in. So why don't we do that? Yes, sir. All right. 
So, we, of course, we get a recap as to as to where we were and what's going on. Of course, Ty taking over, Ty doing what he has to do. We dive right in. We start right on the surface of Kobol, right? If I'm not mistaken. That is it. With the funeral of Tarn and Sosinus. Tarn and Sosinus. Look at you knowing the names. I've, I had the captions on this time, and it made it easier. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, they bury their fallen comrades. There's this grim feeling about the camp um uh, you know the, the, <laughs> the down down they go they're, they're they're there and it's rough and they're having a, they're having this moment they have those tags hanging up let, let me ask you your opinion on this how do you feel about the dramatic weight of this um does it does it conjure any feeling of you in you i mean is it how do you feel like the show executes on this type of stuff in this like in, in terms of this episode Right. As far as like remorse and grief over these sure. fallen guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, to be honest, I w- it's not like I'm like more me personally. And I'm like, oh, darn. It's not right. like I feel that. But I think the show narratively uses their deaths very well. I, I think the pressure that it puts on the very young and experienced lieutenant sure. is, is pretty apparent, especially on my second watch, the way that he removes the tags and takes them with him. Like, He's he is very haunted by by you know essentially his first ground mission and losing two of his own guys who he knew very well, um, and I basically their deaths are are the pivotal thing between um, Chief and 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 you know Crashdown and they just react to it very very differently, um, but so I mean I like it I like it it doesn't have a ton of power to power to me personally but I, I think the characters all ever all the rest of them react to it very realistically I'm with you on that I feel like because they are let's call them tertiary characters I am I am not I don't mourn Tarn and Sosinus much at all um, but I do think that it has a positive effect on the narrative from a depth of storytelling perspective what I mean okay. by this is that we cover a show that we're fond of making fun of called The Walking Dead, right? If you like The Walking <laughs> you, Dead... You are meaner than me, but if yes. You, if you like The Walking Dead or hate it, you should listen to that podcast that we do. But I will say this. Sometimes the death of a character becomes the story and not the aftermath of the death of the character, which is a shame. Uh, now, in this... Deaths are almost less weighty than in something like The Walking Dead. And we see how it affects everybody different. Now, I know they do that a lot in The Walking Dead, but sometimes they don't. And in this case, it's cool to see how it affects Gaius, who killed Crashdown, or he's about to. Um, But but seeing Gaius deal with... Gaius has never stood near the bodies of dead people, especially ones that he had to witness die. And there's a real shot of him looking down at their graves with six behind him talking about oblivion and all this shit. In her like, fucking, her black funeral coat. I know, I love uh, it. Oh, oh, thanks so much. I'm sure you care. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So, saying something to the effect of because they died here on Bowl, only oblivion yeah. awaits them, right? Oof, yeah. Which is weird. I want to, yeah, I want to talk a little more about that for a second. Well, you know, we'll come back to it and all, but the idea of... There, the Cylon monotheistic god having this whole blank spot because he mm. chooses to not look at Cobol specifically. Yeah. That like anything goes on Cobol. It's just fucking international waters of supernatural affairs. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's interesting. Crazy. Um, 
I should take a moment to note the word fragged. Yes, yeah. Are you aware of the historical significance? Indeed, indeed, especially from Vietnam. Vietnam, Uh, Typically, it was more referred to from, you know, non-commissioned guys killing their their officers. Correct. uh, In the jungle and blaming it on... (laughs) Oh, yeah, the NVA took another one of our officers. Oh, he was shot with M16 bullets. Who knew? What a Um, clusterfuck of a war. Oh, God. What a fucking disaster. What a disaster. I mean, the fact that that's a term in that it has a massive Wikipedia article and probably books dedicated to the subject of killing officers because they're Mm -hmm. incompetent and they're going to get you guys killed. I mean, what a fucking mess. But very well placed in this episode, and it makes a lot of sense. And I like that. And um, I can definitely, I, I feel like there is a really awesome, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's awesome the way it's used and, and the way these deaths affect the narrative because it makes somebody like Gaius in this scene start to go, hmm, that's not going to be me. This has always <laughs> been Gaius. He has a an amazing capacity for survival. Yes. It's his greatest skill. He, in a yeah, sense. he flails beforehand, but in the moment of having to make a decision, he, he always has. Right. Right. Now, you could argue that there could be some fuckery from Six or the Cylons or whatever their plan is. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I do. Um, I was about to say, I think you do. <laughs> but it's cool to, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that as a positive. Um, right. Although. You could argue there's being alive and then there's being dead. And Gaius, right? Gaius is trying hard not to just be dead. <laughs> right. And if that Pretty means fair. shooting this guy when other people are hesitating, then he's going to shoot this guy when other people are hesitating. There's a sense of conviction in that. And it also makes him kind of shifty and untrustworthy because if you start to if you start to tighten the vice, he's going to squirm out of it if that means putting you in the vice instead. Oh, totally. So totally. there is... A, there is there's a, you wouldn't call him an honorable man. <laughs> <laughs> he is the rat who will not hesitate to chew through all the other rats to get out. Right. I guess there's an admiral nature. There's a doggedness to it. That's a like, doggedness. Oh, That's damn. a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and it affects Tyrrell different. It's going to affect Ty- Callie different. It's going to affect Crashdown different. Um, of course, right? Crashdown takes it in a really weird way. And it starts right here in this discussion, doesn't it? Uh, at the grave? They, well, kind of. They start to move out. Guy says, well, yeah. in, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, no, I'll just, yeah, they, they move out from here. And that's, they get up to this little, uh, you know, side of a hill. And they get to, they're basically scanning for any silent activity. And they, they come to see that the silence are setting up a missile silo. That's why they're not being chased. That's right. Um, Gaius doesn't want to be called Doc. My title is Doctor or Mr. Vice President. Uh, Crash takes the tags with them as they move out. Time passes, and later we see Crash and Tyrrell searching for Cylons, and they find some. Tree line 2 o'clock. They see Cylons working on a ship. It appears they're wielding something, a missile battery of sorts. They realize that they will simply barrage them rather than look for them. So they start to realize, okay, they're just going to lay waste to the woods with this artillery versus sending more Centurions in. That's what they think is going to happen. Seems feasible. Right. Makes what, sense. what do they care if they have the ammunition? They don't give a shit about the fucking resources. <laughs> right. They don't care about Some... recovering anything from them. No. They don't care about COBOL. They no. don't believe in the same polytheistic bullshit gods that these guys believe in, the fleshy humans. Yeah, absolutely. 
But this is the stuff that I thought was good about this episode. I like this down. Uh, this is where you start to see the difference in experience between Crashdown and Chief Tyrrell. Chief Tyrrell is, what, 35? Probably been in since he was 18. That is a lifetime of experience in comparison to Crashdown, who's a lieutenant who probably went to college, got out, went to some kind of, uh, some sort of officer candidate school, and then found himself in charge of these men with 20 years experience, uh, which is a very real thing that happens today in the military. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Josh can tell you about that, but um, he's not here. So um, it's cool to see this. And then when you, when you watch him, you know, when you watch him start to realize I have to do something here, he starts to get this almost like a sense of panic. Like, okay, I gotta, I have to take command cause I got the, I got the bars and I have to get moving. I got the bars on my lapel. I gotta do this shit. I gotta, I gotta take command. And he just starts to launch headlong into this thing and he doesn't really consult anybody. But, but before all that shit, we have Coddle getting aboard the, aboard the ship. <laughs> Oh, man. Very 1950s doctor fucking cigarette dangling from his lip, shoving little squirmy boys in their suits out of the way. He's awesome. I do. Oh, yeah. He's so good. And this is actually one of the few moments where Billy does annoy me, where he's like, oh, goodness gracious. Thank God for the doctor. The president needs your help. I'm like, the president is like, I mean, she's she's not healthy. She's obviously dying of cancer and she's in a bad way. And oh, she's having withdrawal symptoms. But she's not bleeding to death from gunshot wounds. I was like, right. dude, get the fuck out of the way. Right, <laughs> like, right. I love how Coddle doesn't even address him. Just out of the way. <clears throat> uh, we learned that Adama's blood, uh, heart rate's going up, but his blood pressure's going down. That's not good. And, uh, and Coddle concludes that this is a bleeding concern, and we're going to lose him unless we stop that bleeding, Coddle says, who suspiciously yeah. sounds like my Adama. Uh, Coddle <laughs> orders up some medical terminology shit that I don't quite understand. We go to the opening credits, and we come back to Coddle performing the surgery. And you got that pant-shitting look on Colonel Ty's face. Oh, he never has looked more scared, more puppy-dogish. He is, uh, he is, ugh. Uh, Great shots of them working on Adama. It seems like a very Spartan facility. I'm like, I hope he doesn't get an infection. (laughs) Right, (laughs) seriously. Thrown together. Um, And uh, that's from Colonel Ty starts to pound the booze a little bit, right? And he's got an ankle holster for his booze. <laughs> that is a hardcore alcoholic when you have an ankle holster for your booze. Yeah. Let me just get out the old sock garter flask. Uh, sock booze. Ever had it, Billy? I didn't think so. What are you here to tell me, Billy? You're under arrest. <laughs> Why aren't you in the brig? Have you seen my ankle? Have you seen my sock hooch? <laughs> yeah god forbid he loses his sock hooch uh, then it's just everybody to the brig yeah well billy asks of adama billy asks for medication for the president and i love his response why aren't you in the brig mm-hmm. just straight no asks me there <laughs> right uh, time makes his way to the cic and you can tell from this moment something's amiss with him oh yeah i mean he just he has already so forgotten things He's, yeah yeah like, he's forgotten about the fact that they have people down on COBOL. Or, you know, he's saying, search and rescue. For who? We lose a plane? Nobody tells me? And they're like, because right. uh, of the ones that went down on COBOL that we all know about. Yep. He, he asks, right. why aren't you in the brig to Lee, right? <laughs> he's asking everybody that. <laughs> Get in the damn brig! Uh, we learn that Symes is the senior pilot now. He can command the SAR. Lee says, am I on duty or not? 
which I appreciate because if we do recall, he was kind of got like this work furlough. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Where he's like, as long as when you're on duty, you can go serve. Once you are relieved, anytime you're relieved, you are in the brig. Right. Uh, Lee briefs him. He says, we got five low level orbits of the planet. We're going to hope to find the signal. Uh, of course, Ty is still irritable. He's making mistakes. Um, he's like, look, we got the, the gun, the, the gun cam footage, which verifies that he's like, okay, gate is there. Gata kind of startles him. The press demands <laughs> to know how long they're going to be held. And he's like, tell them to shut their yaps. <laughs> oh, so good. And then D says, Hey, Ty, we got a shuttle from the Zephyr coming over with a quorum of 12. They're demanding to see you. And then Ty clears them to land. So let's talk about Ty for a minute. Put yourself in Ty's shoes, okay? Your best and only friend, your Mm -hmm. best and only friend, I can't stress that enough, is shot in front of you. You put your hands on his horrific wounds. He almost dies. He flatlines, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, you, you just dealt with this crazy, you... Okay, so let's let's backtrack a little. Sure. Ty has the commander of the air group stick a gun in his face and mutiny. He has to detain that man. He comes home. He has to tell his best friend that his son is a fucking mutineer. Then he has to watch his best friend get shot. He has to plug up those wounds with his hands and watch his friend bleed all over the CIC. Then he has to take command while arresting the president. Now, he has an issue where he lost his ground team, he's drunk again, that's his fault, and now he's dealing with the fact that Adam is still down and out, and they're not sure he's going to live. So, you got a surgery taking place, you got a president who's sick who needs medication, you got the commander of the air group out of prison, who is a mutineer running the CAG, you got D telling you that the Quorum of Twelve, great, a whole fucking political body, needs your ear, and, and, and you have the press saying, we demand access. Yep. Holy shit, I, man. Like, I don't blame him for wanting to hang out with his best friends, Johnny Walker and Jack Daniels. John, Johnny I Walker's mean, hooch sock. Jesus. Sock hooch, excuse me. That is so much to inherit in... In the space of a moment, I mean, sure. In that's the space of happened. a moment, it's funny because Ugh. when you think about this show and any TV show you watch, you never really think about it like that. Yeah, but if I'm a director, time. Yeah. I'm talking in like that, and I go, "This is where you're at. I want you to put on that pan shitting face <laughs> when you're watching it, kind of casually, like, oh, what a fuck up! Like it's so easy to judge him right. in the abstract, right? Yeah, without yeah, really it, thinking it, about the stress levels, it must be." Dude, I know people who can't deal with they got to stay an hour late at work. Oh, yeah. And now they're outside chain smoking. I need another break. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy uh, to think about, but it's good. The sheer amount of lives in his hands. Oh, God. Sure. Plus, yeah. Oh, oh. now you're responsible. You're responsible. You are, (laughs) with with Rosalind in jail, you're the commander-in-chief of the rest of humanity. All of them. That's no big deal, right? That's easy. That's just something you can swing like no big deal. Shoulder the fate of all of the human race. Come yeah. on. You're responsible for the survival of your species. <laughs> God. Great. So that's where he's at. That's where he's at. So 
We get a look in on President Rosalind. She's a mess. She wakes up screaming. Billy asks her if she needs something. Duh, Billy. Uh, she yeah. says, I so- I'm sorry. I'm finding it hard to think. It's the withdrawal, she says. <laughs> She's having her junkie dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freaking dreams. out. I love how the, the show has so, like, coyly referred to the, the Kamala Akshay, Kamala Akshay. It sounds like some, like, hippie store sure. BS. Like, oh, sure. it's just like a crushed up leaf. And you're like, oh, it's like a hardcore drug. You're having withdrawals. You're sweating mm. and losing your mind. Seems a little more than, like, an herbal supplement. Right. Right, mm. for sure. And then we, we come to learn a little later on, Billy actually drops it uh, when he's talking about the Kamala Extract. Uh, that it's it was specifically used by by priests, you know, to have visions in their in their religion. Yep. Uh, Billy yep. says he will try to find her some more. Mm-hmm. This is after they they kind of at first stay away from the ear of the uh, uh, corporal that's in there. They think you know, oh well, we can't try to smuggle stuff in with him around. But that changes later. Indeed, this guy is very much a loyalist, Corporal Venner. That's right. So we go back to Cobol, and we're getting a great shot through some binoculars. They're counting missiles being carried into the forest site. Um, Gaius has a bit of a flash. Mm-hmm. And I believe back he says his... something along the lines of, it's all so pointless. They kill us, we kill them. What's the point, he's saying. He's, and that's when she says, look, your race invented murder. Invented killing for sport, greed, envy. It's man's one true art form. You taught us well. Mm-hmm. Notice anything different uh, about this vision? Visually? Yep. Hmm. Not precisely. What's I mean, Gaius is a, wearing? Well, he's still wearing his military uniform. He's still a mess. Mm. That's true. That's a good point. I never happened before. This Wait, episode. What? That had never happened before this episode. Right. He had always gone back to his, like, perfect, unspoiled right. clothes. Mm, interesting. That's true. Something I guess it's a sign her. of his mental state, perhaps. Mm, I like your style, kid. But uh, <laughs> why would God want us to bring a child into this world, Guy says. He sounds like fucking Kurt Cobain. Uh, despite <laughs> everything, <laughs> despite everything, he, Six says, the capital he, still wants to offer you salvation. And she continues... Our child will bring that salvation, but only if you accept that role as her father and guardian. And he drops the thing that I would probably say, I'm not ready for all that. I'm not a father or a guardian. I am not a moral leader capable of leading anyone, let alone a baby. And she says, be a man, Gaius. Whatever else you were, you are that. The time is coming and you'll have to act like one. So, routinely, we see Six come down on him. Yeah. Very abusive relationship. (laughs) Very, very one-sided. It's very one-sided. And this kind of snaps him back to the present. So, any part of that conversation you want to get to? That is the most obscure conversation they have in this episode. It is... So strange. I actually rewatched it once or twice. I mean, essentially, I mean, it's all in a lead up, you know, it's jumping ahead to some of their their later conversations, what happens later, but she is just prodding him towards killing. Like he's sitting there talking about the, the pointlessness of war, the pointlessness of killing and the Cylons versus the humans. And she essentially blames, you know, the human race of like, no, you, you gave that to us. You, and you know, we inherited it from you. Um, and it's your fault, essentially. But now the conversation ends with her 
saying you better have the guts to kill. That's essentially what she's saying about you better be a man. That and Get the father to stuff too. The, yeah, to it's be a come. father, to protect, and to kill. Mm. And, Which is ooh. interesting because what we what we know about Gaius Baltar through as many episodes as we've covered is that he's probably not father material. <laughs> Nothing has suggested so. that he has is is able or desiring to do such a thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think he would be able to lend a good IQ score to his baby. It's mm-hmm. about it's about that. About it. Yeah. But then we had this sort of end of season one, Kobo's lots gleaming, he sees the baby, he's like, it's, it's beautiful, Adama pushes the baby down the river, he kind of freaks out. So we see this instinct that lingers in him, but now it seems that his rational brain is telling him, no, you're still not ready for this. But right. Six seems to be pushing him towards that into a quote-unquote being a man. Which she defines by killing. Like that, ah. Uh. That's, I, I doing I'm what's necessary. I think. That. I think the subtext yeah. there is doing the necessary. I yeah, I think that's there, but I, I think her focus is on on the violence of it. Because um, I think why that's do why you she, suppose? If, if I like, think that's how she justifies the Cylon violence. I mean, it's it's all kind of there. It's almost like making it a value that he you, needs to be able to enact. Do you think that her? Do you think that the idea of Cylon violence comes from some sort of temporal uh, ethics, or do you think it comes from some sort of scripture-based god shit? Like, this is what's supposed to happen. Mm. Something to Damn. think about. Yeah, that I don't know. I'd think about that more. Yeah, well, we do know that God has a plan, Gaius. How many times has she said that word, those words? God, plan, Cylon, plan. Mm. We, baby, so back to the present. We'll go back to the present. And we have Gaius. Uh, Tyrrell spots something. He spot. Oh, he yeah. So Tyrrell spots a dreidish, a dreidish, a dreidish dish, a dreidel dish. You spin it, right? Dreidish, dreidish, dreidish. Dreidish, dreidish, dreidish. Where are those Cylons? Um, <laughs> uh, dreidish dish. And they're building some sort of uh, anti-aircraft battery. And uh, they start to realize that those may be surface-to-air missiles, which is bad news. And that's when Cheryl realizes, holy shit, that is for the rescue team. So now the stakes go up. Yeah. So this is the dramatic tension here. Absolutely. It's not about them getting attacked. It's about, for one, I think it's a a nice reminder uh, that a rescue is coming for them. So Mm -hmm. it puts both a little bit of hope back in their, their situation and new danger that could quash it. So... It's a little, it's like a nice balance of, oh yeah, we are, the, the Galactica is still going to send people, but now we actually have to protect those people who are coming. Right. And the ultimate military trope in, in, in any kind of fiction is those people are going to get slaughtered. They won't stand a chance to have no idea unless we act now and subject ourselves to great danger. There you go. And that's what's being entered into this episode. We go back to the deck with a, a, an increasingly aggressive and irritable tie oh, who man. really pops off here. So it opens on the deck, and I believe he is walking with D. Yep. Um, they're talking about the operation, and then Ty yells, 90 minutes! Right? He yeah, freaks this out. Is, well, because they're talking about how many how many birds they have down, and Apollo's you know saying, all right, well, I'm cannibalizing several other planes to get the parts. parts needed to fix this one so we can get down there. And that's when he says, I think we can be up in 90 minutes. Yep. And Ty just cuts loose on him like he's, uh, you know, fucking an irascible toddler. Like, 
like he's doing nothing. You know, get your fracking head in the game. We have yeah. men down there. Do your job or go to the brig. Like Jesus, Excellent. man! I thought uh, I thought ninety minutes between a non-functioning ship and a functioning one that's in orbit is pretty damn good. Yep. And then in the same breath, he says to D, "I don't suppose you want to do this." Trying to make a joke, right? <laughs> a joke, but you know he would like he wanted to prod that further. Be like, you you want to be press secretary for sure? Yeah, for sure. But yeah. So he moves to the wardroom and addresses the Quorum of Twelve, and it erupts. They're immediately all fucking being politicians. Now, here's what I am going to say. All right. Nothing gives me greater boners than watching a bunch of politicians, a bunch of uppity cunt politicians with their rights being told to shut the fuck up. It makes me so happy, which is why one of my favorite pastimes is to watch... Anything going on in, in Congress or the committees where Trey Gowdy just lays into people. <laughs> you should know. He's from Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, I, oh, I know Trey Gowdy. Dude, he is an animal. <laughs> he just rails on people. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's like that's one of my favorite things to watch is when like a bunch of jackbooted soldiers burn a library of books. <laughs> that's way well. I'll say favorite, that's my dude. second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Round up newspaper reporters and summarily execute them. Look, only the ones who run the banks, okay? <laughs> Everyone else gets a pass. Uh, if you run the banks up against the wall, pal, put on the blindfold. Sorry. Sorry, pal. But no, but no, I do. I love, I mean, Ty is one. Politicians only start man. the wars, they don't have to fight them, right? Well, they, you just get poor young guys to do that. Yeah. Fuck them. They got what they deserve. Oof. And in and Zarek, the balls on Zarek, Mr. I blow buildings. <laughs> this fucking guy. This fucking guy. I was so happy to see Zarek again. That was I like, know. ah, yeah, the agitator over here. This guy just died. I know. Fuck. That's fucking right. Brutal. R.I.P. died. R.I.P. But anyway, the gist of the conversation is um, he uses one of my favorite words. See, when you. When you watch this, um, when you watch this shit with uh, uh, with Ty, he's like Tom Zarek. Oh no, no, he goes Laura Roslin, suborn mutiny and sedition aboard the ship. She caused a key military asset to be lost in a critical moment. The commander of in a critical moment. The way he says critical <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. All, he's all fired up. The commander felt he had no choice but to remove her from power. It doesn't matter what he felt; he had no. And then Tom Zarek interrupts. Adama knew exactly what he was doing. He was paving the way for martial law and a military dictatorship. Isn't that right? I can't speak for the commander. He's still in surgery. Ty says, are you declaring martial law? Absolutely not. The old man believed in freedom and democracy and all that good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> I fucking died at that part. Uh, that, I honestly, I was hammered. I was so waiting for him to just say shit. It's like, die in freedom and democracy and all that shit. <laughs> glug 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 <laughs> so good though it's so good well since this is a democracy and all that good stuff he mocks him I move that the quorum demand immediate access to Laura Roslin and they all say motion carries because they have these magical words and they just say things and <laughs> no uh, I and I I love this moment because this it's is a, a cool dynamic with Tom Zarek right Yes, with, well, with Zarek and Ty and the whole quorum being right here, this is such a nice little bottle example of 
the really intangible and transitional nature of authority and power because they all they all have that politician's confidence in their words of like and we have said in words that we have a demand and we all agree that we have a demand and so now you have to fulfill that demand and he's like no i don't like you've all said a bunch of words just now like i don't like it's one of those things where the moment you don't acknowledge power there isn't power like that's that's that like and ty is starting in this moment he's starting to get that that sense when they all say we demand he's like i'll take your demand under consideration it's it's a full blow like you guys don't have the means to enforce your your ruling Mm -hmm. i do and that's that's the differential here as far as power goes and i do i always find this kind of stuff super fascinating because i mean that's that's the entire structure of society here summed up in a moment that a bunch of people come together to agree and and you know, make decrees in order to, to you know, work together and, and make things function. But at the same time, that's all just based on, uh, you know, an uh, ethereal agreement. Like, at any time, if anybody, if, if, if enough of the majority start questioning the legitimacy of that agreement, it vanishes. That's it. It doesn't have power anymore. And Ty, like, you can totally, he, I don't, I, I would say this about him, too, that I, I respect. I still, even at the end of the episode, don't think he is anywhere remotely near being happy to start martial law or or you know wanting to do that it's not like he's getting off on doing this but you can see him in this moment going i don't have to put up with their bullshit i don't have to listen to them right now like i could just really stiff arm them out of my way just to make not to you know like that's the thing about ty i don't think he's ever thinking about seizing the reins of, of political power. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't think nope. he cares. No, I no think it's political much ambition more, at all. No political ambition. I think it's very much a, ugh, I just want my life to be easier right now. Like, I yes. have too much on. I If I can get them off my back and shut everybody the fuck up for a second, I'm just going to do that. Like, I, right. that's the perspective I see him, and I see it really growing in this scene when he steps away from them. I agree. I think I think Ty's purpose here is we, we just did a good job of illustrating the stress he's under, correct? Mm-hmm. I think he wants to stiff arm all of that stress away from him right. and buy himself time, take a knee and wait for fucking Adama to wake up and be left alone in the, in the interim. There you go. That's what he wants. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be Adama. I want Bill to wake up. That's all he wants. And in the meantime, I don't want to deal with anything. So in his mind, in a way, he's not fucking up anything by just putting everything on standby. And you Not know, realizing that what he's about to do is going to be catastrophic, probably. Oh, yeah. And there's a part of me, and you know that Ty would never do this, because even though he has no political ambition, he's also, I think, too proud to do something like this. If it were me in Ty's shoes in this moment, I would actually level with him and go, look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't want to be the guy in charge. I hate this. I'm not good at this. I don't want this. Here's the situation. I'm just trying to get through this and keep everybody safe. That's it. That's all my concern right now. But like he has, I think he is still, even though he has no individual ambition, I think he cares. I don't even, you know, what's funny. I don't think he even cares about his own honor that much, but he cares very much about the honor of like his core, his, his station. I don't think he wants to belittle his spot. And so I still think he kind of, his, his like moments of like public, you know, kind of like rattling the saber and being proud is, is very much more in a a sense for his rank. Uh, mm-hmm. He's trying to 
do good as an ambassador to the rest of the military. I still don't think it, it I don't think that stuff gets personal. I think the only things that are personal for him are his own stress levels and his inability to handle it. Yeah. And back to your little like political point that you made that was interesting about, you know, agreement and and you know, politicians and coming together and making these agreements. It's also a question of logistics. You're on a ship, you only got X amount of people left. The monopoly of force resides in the military's hands. Oh, totally. Yeah, and in no the choice. logistical situation when you're dealing with 12 screaming assholes, he doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. He's not going to deal with that. He's not going to engage you. And when he has the guns, he can just say, enough is enough. And that's yep. kind of what it comes down to with him. And, and like you said, it's not, it's not a politically ambitious maneuver. It's not so he can gain power. It's not so he can flex his might. It's really, in my opinion, so he can take a fucking knee, punt the ball, play a little defense, and wait for Dama to wake the fuck up. That's it. Right? I totally it's a, I'm going to continue my NFL analogy. Right now, Adama's <laughs> in the concussion room doing the concussion protocol, so the offense is real conservative. They're just going to Follow keep, the light with Jai's We're going to run. We're going to pound the rock. We're going to fucking punt the ball away, play defense, and wait until our star guy comes back. Our star guy comes back, and then we're going to open it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it, pal. We're down 25 points in the third quarter. Only two minutes left. There's no way Adama's going to wake up and win us the Super Bowl. <laughs> and no then you realized he played for the Patriots, and that's what they do. Holla. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome for that. I set your yeah, ass up. Thanks. I bounce, fucking bounce pass right in the paint. I dunked my nuts <laughs> in every Atlanta fan's face. <laughs> Wow, all subscriptions in the state of Georgia have just vanished. <laughs> they keep on with these sports analogies. I'm never listening again. I'm a nerd. I like BST. Um, <laughs> there is a smug smile on Ty's face, though. You know he likes sticking it to him. Oh, yeah. He loves being like, fuck you guys. Absolutely. And he, he especially hates Zarek. I mean, hey, the fucking the radical agitator who was once a terrorist. Oh, yeah. You know he's not a fan. Yeah. So Laura's mumbling to herself and gets a visit from Gasp, Ellen <gasps> Ty. What? Dude, I'm telling you. Is there you, anything had... I can do for you? Anything I can get for you? Says the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Says Satan in his serpent form in the tree. Hi, Lucifer. What's going on? <laughs> oh, God. What was yeah. your thoughts when she walks into that break and asks that question. Oh, gee. yeah. I mean, well, at first I really did. I swear to God. And I think the show even did a good job with the way they frame her, you know, behind the bars and under the light. And even, you know, her voice is a little strange at first. Like, it, And it's doing that to kind of put you in the same shoes sure. as Rosalind and Delirious. But it actually had an effect on me because I had to be, I had to remind myself. I was like, wait, who's that? Oh, oh, Ellen Ty. That's Ty's wife. Like, it took me a second and um, I love Rosalind's realization once you know that migraine kind of dis dissipates, and she's like, "Oh shit, Ellen Ty! Like, oh fuck, I just showed my vulnerability sure. around Satan. Yeah, oh absolutely. shit, it's fantastic, man! Like, she is, yeah, yeah." And I had to, I had to go back and remind myself a little bit. You know, I it's only in one episode. We, only, we there was no real super clear resolution to it. It's still kind of left hanging. But Ellen was kind of working in cahoots with old Tom Zarek. Like, she is, she's a bit of a, a strange agitator. And there's a part of me thinking that that she might still have, that she went into this room 
un not just totally unbidden, but by the the advice of Zarek. You think so? I I think it's a possibility because I, I went back and I, I'll admit I had to go. I didn't just remember all this. I had to kind of kind of remind myself. Uh, but that episode back, I think it was. Um, they shake hands. Yeah. Colonial Day. I think it was Colonial. It was. Day. It was. Yeah. Um. But. He at the end of the episode is reminding Rosalind that presidential elections are still coming up. I might be not, you know, I might not be the vice president right now, but he's basically saying, "I'm coming for you." Like I, I want the presidency, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's using her here as a little canary in the fucking cave to say, "Hey, go go take a look at her. Yep. What is, what's her state right now?" Like I would not be surprised if she were still flirtatiously reporting to old Tom Zarek. Not to mention that what we know about Ellen Ty is that. She is very much the devil on Ty's shoulder. Oh my God! Completely. Now, she, Ellen Ty, from what we know, is a bit of a survivor herself. She's a, a manipulator. She's a charmer. She knows how to charm people. Oh, yeah. I was looking at it real quick. Would you bang her? You know what? Hold on. Hundred <laughs> percent is let me my get a free... answer. Really? Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm leaning towards. But let me let me just get a let me get a good clear look again. For her leg game alone. Yeah. Yeah. She is. She's very. Solid MILF status. Big time. <laughs> I, I gotta give it to her. So Literally. she probably GILF status, but um <laughs> she um she's very wily, this woman. And um she knows how to manipulate people. Um some people. Some people see right through her, which I also appreciate. She's right. not a master manipulator, she's not gonna fool Rosalind, she's not gonna fool Adama. And, yeah, and Ty's kind of blinded by love at this point. But she wants she's I think I think Ellen has Ty's best intentions in her own mind, even though they don't always add up outside of the destructive drinking. But like the way, because the way she reports this back to him later. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. She She's trying to, him you know, to make the situation that. easier for him. Yeah. yeah. She wants him to use that information. Um, but you, but I like your idea of of the Zarek angle. I think that's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I had like the reason I had to go and remind myself. I was like, I remember. This, one of the strangest things of you know uh, of season one with Ellen uh, was her interactions with Zarek, and I was like, "What happened?" And they don't interact at all in this episode, which is is so conspicuously absent that I'm like, "Ooh, I sure. smell conspiracy. Sure. Something's going on. Zarek's still a piece of shit. You know, he's he know he's gunning. Like Zarek is everything that Ty is not. He is 100% gunning for." Uh, you know, his own political ambitions as much as I think, yeah, maybe he's trying to look out for his own people to a degree, but it's maybe 50, 50 at best. Yeah. He strikes me as a man, Zarek, that is, he strikes me as a man who would attempt to acquire the power necessary to enact his vision of what would be the ethically superior approach to life, which in a weird, ironic form, he would be becoming the very thing he hates. (laughs) Right. Right. I think that's what he is. I think he's the kind of guy that now he definitely has conviction. Zarek to do what he did, Zarek has conviction. Oh totally. Uh, he believes yeah. in 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 he has a he's self-righteous in that he really believes in what he's doing. Now his motivation at this point pretending he cares about her, pretending this is gentlemanly sort of uh office respect, respecting the office. He probably has an agenda in mind, right? Which is yeah. funny because he he's so anti-authoritarian. Yet when he puts on that stupid jacket, he's just like every other politician. <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, 
Um, so Gaius is snooping around back on Kobo with Crash. They come back and debrief their findings. Um, they're talking about, look, we got a point and shoot here, no guidance systems. These are uh, surface-to-ship missiles, or I think they actually say ship-to-ship, but they must mean surface-to-ship. Yeah. Um, one Cylon walks the perimeter. Dratus is guarded by two continuously for five minutes. They prepare. So Crash starts to say, okay, we got three toasters near the launch site, two more by the dish. That's a lot of Cylons. Crash Crash asks Gaius if he has ever handled the weapon. No, I am not a soldier. Crash down, Gaius says. Tyrrell says, you're not suggesting that we attack the Cylons. And that's when Crash down makes a non-argument. He says, (laughs) we owe it to Tarn and Sosinus. Yeah. And you see, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta say here in this scene, in this exchange, especially once, uh, you know, Chief says LT word in private, and they go and talk here. I'm actually on Crashdown's side. I see his logic. He just made a terrible choice by trying to illustrate it of saying we owe it to our dead son brothers. And it's like, don't, don't do that. Don't say that thing. Focus on the fact that, of that's the mentality that gets you killed. Exactly, because that's that's emotional just emotional decision making is totally. death in these when it's the stakes are this high. But as far as his attack plan and why they logistically need to do the attack, I think is a hundred percent right. I mean, you know, because you got to think about what the, what are the resources the Galactica has right now. I mean, they're sorely lacking all the time. They're literally cannibalizing, you know, their ships to get enough uh, off off the deck to go do this search and rescue. Chief's got to be pretty aware of the number of ships. Probably crashed on himself. They know, okay, maybe we've got one shot at a flyover search and rescue. Maybe another one tops. There's no way we're getting off this planet and getting home unless we take out the anti-aircraft that it will surely destroy any possible search and rescue attempt. It's necessary. That is a perfectly valid argument in my eyes. I'm like, you guys, like that, if I'm him, if I'm in issues, and of course I, I get to say this with all the, the freedom from my actual pain and loss of losing, you know, my friends who've died on this planet with me. Um, but I, I would be focusing hard on that aspect of guys, our only shot at getting off this planet is taking out their anti-aircraft. That, that's it. That's, we have to do that and, or else we're, we're stuck here and we're going to die here. Interesting, yeah. I like that take. I also think that um, one of the things I appreciate about a TV show is for you to observe a compelling conflict and understand both sides of the conflict, even if you don't agree with both sides. You can kind of see the point of view, the perspective. I think that's important. I think that's good writing. Uh, You know, shows like Game of Thrones do this shit all the time. But yeah, it shouldn't be easy just to pick a side and hate the other one. Correct. Yeah. And, and hate's a strong word. I think, I think what we're seeing here too is that there's a lot of assumptions being made. So the, 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 the claim in, in Crashdown's case is that these missiles will destroy them, period, end of sentence. That's presuming a lot. That's presuming they don't think of it. That's presuming somebody like Lee doesn't assume maybe there's AA down there. We don't fucking know. Let's be cautious. That's assuming you know, you know what I'm saying? Even though they can't really communicate with them, the assumption is, is they're going to die. We don't really know that that's absolutely a factor. We know that there's a disadvantage if you don't know that there's missiles down there. So that's what I mean. There's a lot of assumptions going on. Crashdown's convinced that they will be shot down if they don't make this move. Um, and that's where we start to go into Tyrrell saying, listen, Gaius, Callie, and Celix 
are discussing their combat training relevant to what <laughs> Crashdown is suppo- proposing, which is zero to none. Yeah, well, I mean, they've each, you know, uh, Celix, I think that's their name, right? And yeah. uh, Cali have gone through, you know, basic. They're they're military, but you know, they, that was that's all they've done. They've not been on any exercises since then. They've never been in any combat, so they're all they're rusty, you know, and they're young. They're inexperienced. Gaius has had absolutely zero training, even weapons training. Uh, and then they argue, Tyrell and Crashdown, that is, about how they haven't had the combat training in a long time. They also discuss how they can attack a fixed position that's defended. So here's a counter-argument to Crashdown's thought. Here's oh, our yeah. plan. Here's how we're going to attack them. Tyrell's saying, wait a second. You're asking us to attack a fixed position with no experience. Crashdown says, look, we, he keeps coming back to this. We owe it to Sasinus and Tarn. We owe it to Sasinus and Tarn. Yeah. See, that's the real problem. And she, the chief says... What I was so happy to hear him say, he says, I failed to see how that matters. Yeah. And Crashdown yeah. just pulls rank on him. Now, Crashdown is, has made an argument, mm-hmm. but I think the impetus of his argument rests on some sort of guilty conscience for losing two men on this operation. Right. And he when wants I, some kind me, of payback. Yes. And that's, that's like the Achilles heel of this plan of his, that it's, it's. I think he is ready to die on this mission. He's ready I to just charge in, guns blazing, I and they're all like, "We want to survive." Like, what the fuck? Um, but it's funny because I still see him as the guy with the correct argument making it poorly. Like, it's like what you know. It's like brutal when you're watching a debate, and the, you know the guy that you agree with, and it's just making a shitty argument, like just presenting it so terribly. And you're like, "Oh fuck, man, come on!" Like, I can get up there and do this for you. Like, I, you you're the one who's right. You're just saying it so shittily. And in this position, and in, in this, it's more of a matter of he is just emotionally compromised at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a leader. You know, crumbling under the weight. You know, and s- similar to Ty, except Ty's doing a better job. Um, but yeah, because I do at the end of the day in the, sh- but, the episode. But, but in in now in, in in allow me to play devil's advocate, not against oh, you, but in crash. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, yeah. No, no, but in Crashdown's favor. Sure. And that's Tyrell's not really making an argument either. He's just saying this is an absurd plan, which it is. When he starts to tell you the logistics, we have two rifles. Oh, yeah. What are we gonna do? I mean. There, there's, there's, we need to do this because we need to do this because that's what it seems to be. And then there's, it's just sheer absurdity. They're, they're seven foot tall armored, five of them. I mean, what, what's the, how, Tyrell's like, this is just not going to work. We, we have to evaluate. Why are we jumping into this decision so rashly? So I can understand that. But at the same time, he's not really making any argument contra that other than to stand pat, right? Yeah. He's not so, presenting anything else. Crashdown's proposing action. Tyrell is not, yeah. but Crashdown is kind of proposing suicidal operation here. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, it's it's an insane operation. And I mean, it's just considering their forces, their numbers, mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes it such a bad spot for them to be in. It's so much um, more than numbers. It's numbers, training, and equipment. Oh, yeah, absolutely, all of it. And, and just I mean, a bad setup. It's a bad tactical deployment for them. They're like, ugh, these guys are in fucking they're fixed and they're defending what are we gonna do um i mean knowing the end of the episode helps but (laughs) so he just says nope we're gonna make a plan of attack so crashdown busts out his five graph fucking war college shit (laughs) and guys she says this is absurd we're we're taking on the silent army are we us with two rifles in a canteen no disrespect but why are we going why are we always going uphill 
Now, Gaius is not military personnel. He could simply remove himself from this yeah. thing. I kept wondering that of him being like, you can't order me. Like, I, right. I, I am not under your command. Uh, right. That's but, another thing. Like, you're going to deal with all these people who have zero morale to do this? I mean, fuck. Oof, yeah. So Guy Oof. says, I'm going to propose a vote. And that's when Chief Tiro snaps into fucking no fucking way. This is not a democracy type of shit, yeah. right? And I, dude, a I lot of respect. Love this. love this from Tyrrell. Yep. The fact that he would shut this down. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if in any military operation, you could not have this. You could not have one guy just being like, no, I say we divide our lines among who agrees with me and who should be. Mm-hmm. Like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You fucking quash that hard. <laughs> you follow our leader. Right. Not like robots, but we, we fucking keep in line. Sure. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's yelling at him. It's not going to happen that way. And um, and then he just says, you're, you know, you're briefing. Here we go. So we it. go back to Rosalind. She's continuing to talk to herself. Billy says to Corporal Venner, she needs her medication. Venner interrupts her. Sounds like she's talking about the scrolls of the prophet Pythia. Pythia foretold the rise of a leader, a leader who would lead all humanity to salvation. Billy stands up. You know a lot about the scriptures. I'm from Geminon. We believe in the literal truth. And that's when Billy asks him for the Kamala extract. Oh, yeah. Billy finally wising up a little bit, understanding what he can do. Now we have Ellen putting a little bee in the bonnet here, right? A little uh, Ellen tie, giving her the old, hey, a little honey in the ear. Uh Uh-huh. This is so good. Because Ty is already drinking a little bit, and she sees that. She sees him drinking and she's like, drinking too. Oh, let me tell you. Like, I, I think if he was just pacing around and uh, a little stressed out, I think she wouldn't even attempt. It's the fact that she can already see him softening up with some booze. She's like, oh, I can try this. I can, I can go ahead and bring this out. My old tricks. Yep. Uh, Ty's a little taken aback when she says, I saw the president. He's like, you did? And then she says, let him see her. She's crazy. She's She's lost it. I just went down to the brig to see her. She's completely nuts. She doesn't know where she is. Let them see her. Her mind has gone bye-bye, and the vice president is either missing or dead. That leaves you in unchallenged command of the fleet. And that's when he reiterates. Just until the old man wakes back up. Right. Right. Exactly. He swigs on his stuff. Ellen gives him a look. And uh, we go to Lee jumping to Cobalt to start the search and rescue op. Oh, yeah. And that's when Callie doesn't remember how to use a rifle. (sighs) Great sign. Great. Excellent. Fucking Delta Force doing real good so far. Yeah, great. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, She doesn't know how to use a rifle, let alone do a flanking maneuver. Uh, Gaius has a head movie with six. Another she tells one, him that yeah. the one that one will betray another. She also tells him that if the attack fails, you'll die. Oof, oof, oof. oof. And guys is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm God's instrument. I thought <laughs> I'm God. I'm God's big fancy gilded instrument. I thought I had a plan for me. Well, God turned his back on Cobalt. Turned his back on man and the false gods he worshipped. What happens on Cobalt is not God's will. But what of our bucktooth British Cylon baby? Mm, not going to happen. Not going to fucking happen. And also, by the way, so one thing I kept thinking about in this scene, 
uh, with six revealing, you know, she it's almost like she has, you know, visionary foresight of being like, one of you will betray the other. It's like, you know, <laughs> informing Jesus that Judas is going to betray him. One of you will turn on the other in the mission. Um, and she's so confident about it. I, I, for a second, when I first saw this, was like, fuck, is this another one of those situations of the Cylons having like some kind of weird prophetic foresight? You know, the cycles of things that they, this has all happened and it will happen again. But then I, I thought about it more. And I think it's just the fact that she essentially is, you know, an implanted version of six within, you know, I, I guess we still don't really know exactly, but, uh, but Gaius's brain in his consciousness anyways, that she can be scanning his mind all the time, thinking about all the possibilities, piecing together what he's feeling and thinking and figuring out outcomes. I think she just already figured out that he was going to, to behave like this. Like she knew that in the moment of something going down, if, if, if he has a conflict with, um, with Crashdown, that he would actually pull the trigger. And she knows that he'll be the one who betrays mm. because she lives in his fucking brain and can figure it out. Yeah, there you go. That's possible. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy is another possibility. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. She knows just to, to drop some shit on him and he'd be like, what? No, I better be ready to shoot anyone who betrays me. Indeed. So Crashdown says, saddle up, motherfuckers. And uh, they move out. Ty is drunk as a skunk. He gets a call. It's D. Uh, she says, the quorum is demanding access to the president. Tell them to shove their demand up their collective asses. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> he laughs. Yeah. Uh, D gives Gata the he's drunk hand motion. Uh, <laughs> he's wasted. And she says, I need instructions. Tell them that they're going to get to see what has become of their precious president. You tell them that, Ty says. Uh, Billy gets his Kamala. Lee's search and rescue team begins its approach, and we go back to Cobol with Crashdown and company, old Oscar Mike on the move. Oh, baby. All right, this is so, it. We are moving out. Tiro, whoa, whoa, is- LT. There are five silence at the launcher. Something is wrong, Gaius says. There's nothing wrong. Just a couple of silence we didn't account for, Crashdown says. So here's where I've lost complete confidence in him. Just two (laughs) more Cylons. No big deal. He's like, nothing's wrong. Just more Cylons we didn't account for. Well, that's something wrong. You know, one thing I think about that, it's funny that you're blaming it on Crashdown. I think that's actually Gaius's fault. It is. Yeah, but it's implied that the two he saw actually moved back. No, no. uh, What I'm saying about it is Crashdown's making it out like it's no big deal. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Cheryl's like, well, then maybe two of the Cylons left the dish, which makes for five, and maybe the dish is undefended. Good math by Tiro. Right. So he's like, why don't we go attack the undefended thing and call it a day? See, now that's the moment where I switch from Crashdown fully to Tiro. Of like, oh, well, yeah, if you have this limited of resources and team and equipment, and you can still take out the main thing you need to take out, well, just do that. Like, Just do that that thing. Fuck the the head-on assault mission. For sure. Uh, we get the sound of sonic booms. Crashdown's like, we got to move now. And uh, Callie freezes. Mm. She panics. You don't you don't see this too much, even in war movies. Um, I actually really liked this. Uh, again, this is another one of those moments of, I, I, this episode has a good, several good examples of this, of the flexing of, of power that's really abstract uh, in the moment of things, you know. As long, if somebody doesn't obey the command, then does the command have any power? 
And and that's what we have in this moment of Callie just completely shutting down. I mean, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't get I me. Mean, she's just sitting on the ground. You know, you saying that's an order like that, like though, like those three words have like this power that will just animate her and force her into battle. No, she just said, I can't. I can't. She's that's not it. a warrior. She's not a fucking warrior. Nobody. Like, totally not. Really? Not really. Maybe Tyrrell. Maybe. I don't know if he's Oof. got it in him, but who knows? So. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's implied he's got a little bit of a Tom Hanks end of saving Private Ryan fighting spirit with him in at the last part of this I battle. So. Uh, <laughs> Callie can't move. Tyrrell says, we still have time to double back and take out the dish. Crashdown hammers Callie. He's fucking relentless. Yeah. And then yeah. Celix's like, how are we going to take out five Cylons? Crashdown puts his pistol on Callie. Okay. Oof. And it, it is, of course, uh, Gaius who shouts out, Chief! Right. <laughs> you know, and he looks to to Chief. You know, that's where the, he, he feels the real authority is. Of course. This moment. He's seen it. Yeah. Uh, he puts the gun on crash down. Uh, we got this crazy standoff, and then bang, Oof. dude. Oof. Did you think it was going to be Gaius? The, no, no. I honestly, I awesome, honest right? to God, I thought, I thought one of two things. I thought, holy shit, Callie's going to be dead, and then uh, fucking uh, Crash Down's going to turn his gun on Chief, and it's going to be a showdown between the two of them. Or I thought that it was going to be uh, Chief shot Crash Down, and Chief was going to have to live with that really genuinely did not believe it was going to be guys. I was like, oh, holy shit. The fact that Crashdown was actually fucking dead. Like, I thought if it were Gaius, I would have been like, oh, well, then he shoots the tree right next to him and it surprises Crashdown and and maybe shakes him out of this. But no, Crashdown fucking dead. And it was Gaius. Totally blew me away. Crazy, right? Good Lord. Yeah. Awesome. I like it a lot. It, it, it's, it just, it's another layer to Gaius. Mm-hmm. Right? It's another yeah. layer to Gaius. What do you think that means? What do you think his motivation was? God, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a, uh, anything with Gaius and Six, I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I only have like the, the vaguest of ideas. Mm. Um, And there's a part of me that even wonders how much of his like instinctive movements and his like quick reactions are like partially influenced by six or something i mean like i don't know because he looks fucking surprised when he does it like well he he, just murdered a guy well yeah but i mean it's not like you see him like oh well like i i did it it's like he's like oh what i just do almost like expression absolutely yeah i think that's normal what the fuck i just shot a guy (laughs) (laughs) he definitely is surprised well after that powerful guys baltar the Silence open fire on their position, and Tyrrell takes command. They fall back. Gaius sees six, and now you're a man, she says. Uh, Tyrrell and the rest haul ash through the woods. Celix gets hit. Callie grabs her. Powerful Callie. Uh, the raptors scream overhead. Chief Tyrrell gets hit. Uh, they're right near the dish. Gaius returns fire. Good. Well, look at Gaius, all a combat veteran now. I know, man. Did not see that shit coming. I was, I was fucking impressed. Him running and gunning. Yep. Tyrrell takes out the dish. Uh, the raptor takes evasive. Break, break, break. Uh, no lock, no lock. The silence move in, looking bad. Tyrrell's cut off. He breaks cover and he gets real dumb. <laughs> it's real crazy. The raptors blow away the Cylons and we get a fucking thinking of saving Private Ryan moment right here, right? That's what I was saying, Such baby. Such an homage. Totally. 
firing your pistol at a line of Cylons. And the way they're all looking at him, my first viewing, I thought, holy shit, crash down in Tyrol in one episode? Really? Are they going to mm. kick us in the teeth like that? Mm. Not quite. Not quite. Angels on our shoulders. <laughs> Dude. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. The raptor fucking, just looming behind them. Lee's up there and he's like, you're welcome, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Because your ass was about to be wasted. You're welcome for the close air support you just got. Seriously. Good God. Excellent. Good shit. Oh, it's so good. Good sequence. Tyrion was mm-hmm. a little silly. That was a little silly what he did. But um, <laughs> I don't know if he's pulling a distraction and hoping like if, if they just kill me, then everything will be better. I don't know. <laughs> I think he thought they were pinned down and this is it. Might as well go up on my feet mm-hmm. fucking fighting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Silly humans. <laughs> well, here comes Ty. All right, let's all go to the petting zoo. <laughs> I, I wish he I were drinking it. as he walked. <laughs> I wish he just had a fucking open flask. Like, I don't even care. He is so unhinged. Oh, petting totally. time at the zoo. <laughs> This is his this is his worst mm. moment as far as being unhinged and just yeah, like yeah. and doesn't look credible, looks Correct. looks vindictive and silly. Correct. Just mean. Yep. Mean is a good mean is the perfect simple descriptor. Just mean. <laughs> just fucking mean. Mean and shitty. Even Tom Zarek's like, oh, I'm glad you have such respect for the office of the presidency. Yeah, he's probably- You're up next, laughing boy. <laughs> Zarek's fucking politicking. He's grandstanding. I love it. I love it. I love it from both of them. Fine. I know. And then the president stands up and says, the military coup against the lawful government is illegal and ill-advised. I have not resigned. I will fight this action with everything at my command. And Jeez. you know, <laughs> you know old drunky Ty should have just, you hear it from Ellen and you're like, huh, really? She's just totally batshit? Let me go down there and take a look. Let me go check in on her. Just out of oh hi, hello, Miss you know Rosalind, how are you doing? You take a look first and you verify that instead of marching the quorum of twelve down there and embarrassing yourself while, while she's wife. totally while she's eloquent and you're fucking drunk. <laughs> she's crazy and nuts. She thinks she's a prophet. Just listen to her. The arrow of Apollo will open the tomb of Artemis or some such nonsense or some such bolly bullshit. And then of course all these people are like, oh of course the arrow. And he's like, ah shit, yeah. ah crap. <laughs> Lock the room. Burn it. Ah, crap. <laughs> Dude, when he walks out of there and they, they lock the door behind, I was, I was honestly waiting for him to turn to a security guard and be like, gas him. Sergeant of arms, open fire. <laughs> Lay him out. Martial law. Fuck it. Fuck it, I'm drunk. Kill Venner, too. He's a, he's a, he's a loyalist. <laughs> oh, so, fuck. And then she drops the, everything I have done is consistent, logical, we have found Kobol, the city of the gods, and when we retrieve the arrow, we will open the tomb of Athena, and we will and find fucking, the road to Earth. Fucking ties half open, kind Dude. of grin mouth, like waiting for her to say something dumb. Like he's so ah, good. Say the stupid shit you were babbling about earlier. Come on. Yep. Oh, it's so. She funny. drops the "I'm dying" bomb, and then ties like, "Oh shit, she's not dying. She's just crazy." <laughs> No, no, no. Praise to the gods. Here's our salvation. So this backfired for Ty hard. He clears the brig. He stares at Rosin for a moment. And now Corporal Venner knows the truth. And uh, that's that. Mm -hmm. We go back to the raptor. 
in a very interesting scene. Oh, take it's, us through it. Well, Tyrrell gives Lee the tags. How did Crashdown die? The commander of the air group asks. There you go. Leading the charge, he gave his life, Gaius says. And what does Tyrrell do? He confirms this assertion. Yes, he was yes. a hero until the end. I love it. I fucking wow. love it. Wow. I really did. I I like that. That's Tyrrell through and through. Dude, totally. Right? He lies to protect people all the time. Look at the to trouble protect. he got in. He was sitting, he was standing tall on Capitol Hill with Sage, Sergeant Hadrian breaking his balls. <laughs> and so Sinus got sent up the river for her, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, but I, I love this because it is, it's Tyrrell acknowledging that Crashdown was not himself, was a broken man at Indeed. that point and had lost it and crumbled under combat. That it's not a, a, an erasure of everything he was before of like, ah, fuck Crashdown. He lost it in combat one time and made a terrible decision. And he is just a fucking worthless human being. Let's throw him under the bus. Like, I like that. They still there. That camaraderie still persists, even though he's dead. Like mm. that, we're not ready to just throw him under there. And I bet you, I bet you Callie would not maybe would not be all grandstanding about, yes, he was a hero, but I think she would, she would confirm it. She would go. Yeah. I bet even her, she would be like, yeah, yeah, he he was. Like, what I, she would go on and on, but I think she would even still agree with them all. What I do find great about this scene is how Gaius initiates the lie, because he's like, I'm not going to rely on this fucker to tell, to, to tell a lie. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, with this fucking boyish, honest face. <laughs> you need a seasoned liar. Hey, back out in the field, <laughs> I wasn't no seasoned warrior, but on the field of liesmanship, oh, I'm your boy. Yeah. Gaius. I, I am the fucking master general. Gaius, balls of tar, liar. <laughs> wow. Balls I'm so of proud tar. of Stick you guys. Lies? I don't know. I'm so proud of you guys, uh, success, because I've taken a life. It makes you human. <laughs> Is it? No conscious thought, no poetry or art or music or literature. Murder is my heritage. That's a great line. Oh, is that no. the lesson I'm supposed to pass on to our child? I'll be your conscience. Whoa. That's a scary thought. Jesus. If you weren't super attractive. (laughs) I know. This is that, this is Mm. that crazy fucking one. God, you slash my tires every couple of months and smash in my windshield with a cinder block. (laughs) But damn, it's just so good. It's just so good. Damn, it's just so too good. good. I have to keep breaking it off. When she takes her fucking pants off, like orchestral music starts, it's a problem. <laughs> Out of the air, it's a problem. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. Well, back to let's talk about Ty's briefing because, um, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, Ty, what you doing? <laughs> oh fuck, Ty! Uh, I have decided to dissolve the quorum of twelve, and as of this moment, I have declared martial. Law. That is Get those crazy. people the hell off my ship. Gas them. Just gas them all. Takes a strong swig. Yeah, airlock them. <laughs> Blast them into space. Walk the plank. Yeah. Wow. So that is that. Awesome man. ending. I like the slow mo. A oh, shot of tie in the background. The light coming down on his on his head. It looks great. Ugh. 
And he, Did like, you I'm expect saying, this like, to happen after denying he would do it. No, no, this is another. This is another part of this episode that just took me by surprise. Mm. Um, I almost thought he would get up there and say. I honestly thought he might lie about Adama's state. That, like, Adama has woken up, but he's not ready to make a statement yet. Like, I thought he was going to try to pass it off again and, and try to just assure and assuage everybody and be like, it's fine, it's fine. You know, right. but the fact that he just went, fuck it. Fuck <laughs> Martial <laughs> law. Give me my give me my ankle flask. Punt, play defense. Punt, play defense. That's all he does, man. Buying time. that can hard. Buying time. He hits that flask, and that's that. Yeah. Episode he's, over. He's not happy about it, man. He's no, of course not. No political ambition there. And no, He's no. not wanting that one bit. 100%. But, no. But boy, oh boy. What a fucking good episode, dude. Great episode. I Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed this one. Yep. Um, so that's the end of the episode. Let's talk about a couple of final thoughts. Uh, I got a couple of questions for you, or one in particular. Yeah. How did you feel about... I believe is the first episode of Zero Starbuck. Uh yeah. Um and and crazy enough, I didn't even notice that until like the very end of the episode. Because like, the episode was so good. So tight and so good. Like I it was basically at the start of um, you know, Ty's conference where I was like looking at the time of the end of the episode and being like, Oh, it's almost over. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, there's been no Starbuck. Like no Starbuck, no Hilo, no boomer. That's just not here in this episode. Um, yeah, no, I, that, that's a good point. No Caprica. No Caprica. Done. It's not here. And I think that was a wise decision. I, I think the show could suffer from the, if it was just a constant, unquestioned formula of, sure. and here's the Galactica, and here's the President, and here's Caprica. Like, every time, eh, it gets a little old. It's a little stale. Like, I like that this episode really only bounces between Cobalt and the ship. That's it. It's a great um, and, episode, and, man. And it's it, man, it's fucking tight. It's so it's really good. Oh, uh, yeah. I really, really enjoyed this. I mean, I, I was still like, ah, oh, damn, no, no Starbuck. I'm always ready for more Starbuck, but but I'm sure they'll use her well in the next the upcoming episodes. Next episode's called Resistance. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is this, Mr. Yeah. Anderson. Is how do you feel the lack of Commander Adama has been going? Ooh. Um I mean, as far as I'll say I'll say two things. As far as entertainment value of the show, it hasn't really suffered at all. Um, right. I think everybody else. It is a testament to the show that every character is strong enough to to carry the show. Essentially, that you know that the we don't need missing any one or two or three characters doesn't tank the show. I'm not just going ah shit. Where's what's his name? I don't care about any of this. Um, Let me modify the question. Sure. And I'm going to use a metaphor for a game at home. If I dropped you into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, all right, and I said, "I'll be back in a few hours." Do you think you could survive? <laughs> well, don't answer yet. If okay. I dropped you into the middle of the Atlantic and left and said nothing, do you think your chances of survival would go be worse? Ooh, it's a good question. Right. So my point is, we know he's coming back. Do we? You don't think so? I I do, of course, think so. Okay. Um, so my point is, anybody watching this show, since he's not dead yet, doubt that after Doc Hoddle treats him, he's going to die. True. That's true. That's, that's a, not a realistic thought. 
So people are like, I think people in a sense are going, this is cool for now. We know he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not it's like if they killed him, they'd have to rely on it. I guess my point is knowing he's coming back makes this kind of like a fun vacation from death. <laughs> we, we, we can That's watch a- Colonel Ty stir, stir, like turn this fleet right into the fucking Colonel rocks. Ty's wild misadventure. Right, right. <laughs> we can watch How him turn not this. to deal with the press. Yeah. Watch him just rake the hull onto the fucking coral reef for fun, because we know Dom is coming back eventually. I'm so drunk. I knew about the space icebergs, but I didn't care. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> you got a lot to fix. <laughs> I really fracked it in the ass this time. Hard, Bill. To the hilt, Bill. Just fucking just spit hitting his unconscious face to the on the belt hospital buckle, bed. Bill. To the belt buckle. <laughs> I mean, just clanking against its ass. <laughs> really <laughs> fracked it hard. Great ass. It sounds like fucking, uh, <laughs> what's his name, though? Pacino. Uh, Coddle's like, I'm going to have to ask you to, to step away from, <laughs> from Adama. But my point is, is I had a feeling you were going to say it's not really affecting my entertainment value, but I think I was just trying to give you the perspective of having this idea of knowing. Um, yeah. That metaphor I heard used once before as it relates to the UFC when they didn't have time limits. Oh. And they were saying that a lot of guys argued in favor of they not They fight having... to survive the three Correct. minutes or whatever. Yeah. Correct. But that would make for terrible TV. And it did. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible back when they did that. But anyway, um, anything um, else you want to say? Any parting thoughts more about Frag before we call it a night? Well, you know, I did want to say a little more as far as Adama goes. I do, I think if... You know, obviously this doesn't happen, but if Adama dies on the table on the next day, then this situation is untenable. That it unravels to the point sure. of the fleet is eventually scattered, you know, destroying itself, that Zarek is really challenging things and, you know, maybe taking whole ships with him. That like this situation, you know, they're they're being unified as a fleet heading towards, you know, you know, Earth or whatever, uh, gets smashed. Like without Adama and his leadership. Yeah, I think they're really fucked. Like that's one thing I do you're, believe. You're, it's not you're you're especially fucked with 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 Lee and Starbuck off ship. Yeah, right. People Lee's... who might be able to convince some of the other Marines and other military personnel that Ty needs to be needs to be removed from power. He needs to have his command challenged, and he needs to be removed from power. Otherwise, we're we're done. Mm-hmm. But. What strong military presence, what strong military personality exists on the Galactica right now that could challenge his authority and convince anyone that Kai's not the answer? We haven't seen him. If they exist. We haven't seen him. Correct. It's not D. True. It's not Gata. <laughs> and no, it is not. <laughs> it's not fucking the line commander, Kelly, who shows up every five episodes. I mean, Lee's about the only person off the top of my head who I think could even attempt it, and I think mm. it would be a very hard to convince yep. anybody. Yep. Good yeah. point. Damn. Awesome. But, uh, but yeah, and you know, I don't have a ton of other... It's funny. I don't have a ton of other parting thoughts for this one because there's not a lot... This is a very... like It's like a bottle story. Like it's This episode has felt more like a movie than most of the other episodes in the sense of... There was just a very straightforward uh, conflict and resolution, like them having to get off, you know, the planet, them having to do what it takes to protect the search and rescue mission that's going to retrieve them. Um, and then Ty, you know, the more open-ended aspects, of course, are still 
Six's fucking interactions with Gaius, which are yeah. always going to be fucking strange and, and abstract and bizarre. Um, and then Ty having to make this this choice at the end, which leaves which leaves the situation dangling. And we don't really sure. know how it's going to end up. Um, that's all there. But I, I, on the whole, this episode is particularly tight. There's not much to speculate on. There's not – I'm not sitting here thinking – this is also an episode where I'm not thinking much about the Cylons and the Cylon Endeavor. It's not about that. This is a very – this is how do we maintain our institutions and our our leadership and, and keep keep humanity united in some way. Uh, that's, the, that's the real behind-the-scenes conflict of, of this particular episode, which I think mm. is, is fucking great. And I like that the show – Reminds us of that. It's not always. Ju- it's not just the Cylon plot, uh, the conspiracy to destroy all the humans. You know, the the same old problems of humanity that are you know from our ancient past now, you know, and all the and way up into the, into the future, uh, we're, are always going to be there. Uh, you know, different differing interests having to to bounce off of each other and conflict and come to some kind of compromise and work together. I mean, that's. That's always going to be there. You're not getting rid of that. Um, and it's interesting watching Ty have to to deal with that. It's inherently interesting watching somebody so admitted, so knowingly bad at it, just have to soldier through. Yeah, that's what that's what makes for compelling drama. Absolutely. If he was the quintessential colonial officer, it would be less interesting. Oh yeah, right. No. Um, and I like your point about the age old conflict of man versus man, because when everyone is threatened everyone's banding together but now that they've gotten these little hints of respite from cylon relentlessness we start oh. to see things turn their head again right mm-hmm. people start to bicker again and it height and it escalates people have different ideas about how they want to run shit versus just trying to survive in the moment <laughs> and it alters our relationships with one another after 9 11 everyone's like hey what's up buddy hey how you doing cool oh you don't got that 50 cents for your coffee let me reach over your shoulder and give it to you yay hugs now we're like yeah, oh fuck married. yourself go fuck yourself <laughs> you voted it. for hillary get fucked you voted for trump fuck you yeah i hate you yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna frack you belt deep all right we're out of here you guys have a good one we'll catch you next time see ya